Time now for the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast, the podcast that is unique just like all the others you listen to. The only thing that truly sets this one apart is your host has an ADHD-driven mind with a splash of bipolar tendencies. Now sit back, relax, put on your safety harness, and let's get this party started. What a treat it was to have the comedy music trio Lou Burger on the podcast this week. You may recognize that group from NBC's Bring the Funny. They'll be bringing their act to Nashville on Saturday, November 2nd to Disc Insider. Now, this is an all-ages show, so be sure to grab your tickets. That interview with the trio is coming up next right here on the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. Um, Absolutely. Right. Uh, first of all, just let everybody know we got Lou Berger on the uh, on the phone with us. Keith, Alex, and Huey of the uh, new comedian trio Juggernaut. Well, not so new, but uh, as far as like uh, NBC's Bring the Funny is kind of like how we all got introduced to you. How's everybody doing? We're doing doing great. pretty good today. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool to have all three of you on the phone. I just wanted to tell you. I mean, aside from podcasting, believe it or not, I have a day job and. Uh, I was I was in the in the uh, real world today singing vagina it's the tubular sex organ. Spread the good information. Spread the good yeah. info around. It, it's so pleasant. Like I was thinking to myself, I wish I would have had this when I was in school instead of my uh, guidance counselor telling me what to you know what to figure out. So you know, we've actually had a lot of uh, teachers and a lot of sex ed teachers have commented and say, I'm going to show this in my class. This is like the most real information that we've that we've seen <laughs> yeah guys good for you because it's so pleasant too it's like you're mixing three of my favorite things you've got music comedy and the vagina and it's all in one spot <laughs> there you go you. It, it, it needs to be a ringtone <laughs> there we yeah, go. we're hoping to we're hoping to release all of these songs as ringtone exclusive soon <laughs> yeah that would be awesome well guys we'll start with this and anybody can feel it uh Whoever feels comfortable, and you, you can state your name, like we're because we are in a conference call. Whatever you want to do, but um, is is this your first tour as a trio? Like, it, it, with you guys making a stop here in Nashville uh, at Dickens uh, Diskin <laughs> Cider on November second? Is this like your first go around as the three of you? This is not only our first uh, go around touring as the three of us. It is the the first official Luberger tour. We've we've done. A couple shows um, in New York, um, but most of the shows we've played have been in Los Angeles, California. So this is the first time we've ever really gotten to bring our act on the road, and we're very excited about it. That that's awesome. And now um, with with touring like this on like a kind of a national level, do you, do you think by being on Bring the Funny that really kind of exposed you to the masses? Well, we're certainly hoping that Bring the Funny uh, did did a good job of spreading us out there. You know, we've been making music for about five years now and doing comedy shows in L.A., but, um, wow. you know, it's hard to know who's watching you where, so we're hoping that, that show really spread the kind of stuff we do. And I, for one, am very excited to be coming to Tennessee to perform because I grew up in Carthage, Tennessee, which is about an hour east of Nashville. So, uh, And this is actually, of all the times I've performed with so many different groups, it's the first time I've ever been able to come back and perform in Tennessee. So super excited to go to Disc Insider hang out with some old friends, play some really fun music with my new friends and great colleagues, the Blue Burger, and it's going to be a great show. 
That's awesome. Now, I've never really met somebody from Carthage. I know exactly where it's at. Um, isn't that like, you know, that, yeah, like Amish Fifth community? County. It's not Amish, but it's 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 definitely, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the best word for it is, but classic. <laughs> classic <laughs> Tennessean. You know, it's, it's like the last official county in Appalachia, so. Uh, right on. But it's really great, great little town. It was super safe, a great place to grow up, and got a lot of friends there and hoping to see a lot of them out of the show. That is cool. A fellow Tennessean, like I said, that's that's awesome to have the musical tie-in, um, you know, and, and, and you've made good. You've branched out. You're in L.A. now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's exciting. Yeah, and I said Dick Insider earlier, which is like I think from Saturday Night Live, and I knew I was going to mess it up even though I had it written down, but Disc Insider you – know, it's yeah. Disc Insider, yeah. which I don't know if you've been there, but Disc Insider, their ciders are super, super good. My buddy Joe, who I actually went to high school with, works there now, and that's how I sort of got connected with them. And we just we added the show only a few days ago, and I'm just so excited to come play there. Yeah, it's it looks really, really groovy. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check it out. And, and when I said it, I kind of looked, looked at it and everything. I was like, man, this looks like a great place to kind of see something like that. And then uh, my next point, it's an all-ages show. And I remember Chrissy Teigen telling you all she led her daughter to listen to you guys. I mean, is that aim like age appropriateness, or is that just turns out how it how it is? It was really well, cool. Well, we, hey, it was really cool being on the show because we have material that uh, spans all ages and and all sort of uh, appropriateness levels. And it was cool to be on the show because we got a chance to really hone in and do our material that is very age appropriate. Um, so people will get a chance to see sort of a, a bit of the spectrum uh, at the show at, at Disc Insider. We're, we're looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, and then, like I said, the, the Disney the Disney princess thing, and that's spot on. That's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whose idea was it to make up a song like that because it's so creative? Uh, that was that song, song that... was a Keith song yeah, initially. Yeah, Keith original, but it was made better by uh, Alex and Huey because – you know, part of what makes Zuberger so special is that it's not just that we have funny songs, but we have really good musical accompaniment and really tight harmonies. So it's one thing to sing a song with funny lyrics. It's another to sing a beautiful song with funny lyrics. That's right. Absolutely. So Spot on. I think the musicality yeah. elevates the joke. Yes. Uh, now, are you guys, you guys, uh, uh, you know, are you accomplished musicians? Did you, did you, are you guys like classically trained, you know, being from Tennessee? Did you take lessons before you started doing all this stuff? Oh, hell yeah. I was in marching band. I played the French horn. I went to school originally to, for concert French horn, but then Huey is actually our real uh, collegiate musician of the group. Huey, take it away. Sure, yeah. I, I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Oh, where wow. I studied piano and songwriting. Um, so I definitely have, have dedicated a lot in there. But, you know, what's cool about Lou Berger is that everybody is so musical and has so many musical talents. So we all sort of complement each other in lots of ways. You know, Alex plays great guitar and is a great singer. So we really all bring something unique uh, and musical to the group. That's awesome, man. And, and what better place to, to hang out is right there in, uh, you know, Music City uh, where there's everything mm-hmm. at your exposed. Yeah, that's great. Um, also just realized uh, your debut album turns a year old the day you're going to be here. So congrats for that. Oh Thanks wow! Thanks Whoa. November second party for us. There you go. Yeah, wide open. Wow. Uh, wow. Um, and then like uh, I was looking at like for uh, somebody was telling me like forty five million views on uh, YouTube and Facebook. I mean that that is insane. I mean like uh, I mean uh, at this point now, do you just try to just keep topping yourself with every video you pump out? <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> 
now we're just trying to, you know, innovate new ways to make comedy music. We've written a, a comedy musical. We do a lot of, like, different types of videos and songs. But we're excited to finally tour all the stuff we have worked on and simultaneously work on a lot of new stuff that we can test out on the road because we certainly yeah. have about eight songs that nobody's ever really heard before. So excited to start sort of feeding those into our shows and seeing what people think of them. That's we'll awesome. Yeah, it's also really exciting. It's, it's really exciting because we, you know, for a very long time had a residency at a theater here in Los Angeles. And we did a show every month that we were really proud of. So um, to be able to sort of incorporate that for new audiences into what we're also combining as sort of like a newer version of that show um, because we've got newer songs and newer performance styles, I would even say. Um, it'll it'll be really exciting to sort of blend new with old and see what, um, you know, what these new audiences that we've never performed for think of us live. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you know, watching the videos with all with all the music and the props and everything, I'm thinking eventually some somebody's going to ask you guys to do, like, your own variety show, like bring that old school stuff back to where you're doing music and having guests and everything. Has that ever ran through your mind? Oh, that is our dream right there. I <laughs> yeah. think if we could have our own variety hour show, that would be, you know, a really a dream come true. We just love uh, so many different expressions of music, both, you know, doing Broadway musical type stuff and doing classic acoustic stuff and doing like silly songs to tracks or doing like boy band type songs. We just love every expression of, of comedy music. So the more we get to do, the better. Yeah, and and like I said, uh, you know, from from a fan's perspective, uh, it's it's great because, like you said, it's not just funny, but it's like it's 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 well organized, and, and I don't know what the word I'm looking for it is, but it's just it's brilliantly done. Like it sounds great, and like you're going on a musical adventure with like actual music ability, not just an acoustic guitar, and then you're enjoying music like subject matter it's just you guys have got it man you guys have got a great niche and I, i'm really thankful that you guys are coming to town can't wait to see you oh, wow, thank you Josh. so much it's, it's great praise it's we really it. cool for us <laughs> we uh i've never been to nashville so i'm super excited i have a lot of friends who went from berkeley to nashville and i know that there's a really high level of uh art and especially music being created there so it's it's cool to uh get a chance to go sort of you know bring our own music out there and get a chance to perform and after being on Bring the Funny, to sort of figure out how are we going to make sure that people who've seen all those things still, when they come see us, they get something unique and special at each show. Yeah, uh, one thing you got to do, like you said, uh, being classically trained with piano and everything, you got to go to the skirmer horn and sit in there and play on that piano that Elton John donated Ooh. to the place. Oh, oh my God. no way! Okay, yeah, th great. there's like this little. There's a, you go into the skirmer horn, which is where you know our symphony stuff is at, and then there's that piano, and like they let you know that that's the one. Like he played it there, and then he just left it. Wow! Wow! So, yeah, wow. It's, okay, it's, so it's we'll very have cool a good time see. at the cidery, drink a bunch yeah. of discon cider, and then see what see what else Nashville has to offer. Yeah, you go in there and bang on it a little bit. It's still got like some of that glitter dust that he wears all over himself. Wow! Yeah, no yeah. way! No way! Wow! Yeah. Just, just go in there and be like, do you know who I am? And then just start playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what we do when we go places. We ask people yeah. if they know who we are. Yeah, right on. <laughs> hey, you, got, you, guys are, you guys are brilliant, man. Big things, and I appreciate you taking the time talking to my little podcast. Yeah, of course. Oh, Thanks sure for having us.
I was thrilled to have on the podcast this week a stand-up comedian who is making Tennessee proud by way of Chattanooga, Mr. Corey Ryan Forrester, who is in a trio with Trey Crowder and Drew Morgan called Well Read Comedy. Uh, they have a hilarious podcast. Going to be coming to Zany's Nashville for a holiday stint from December 19th through 22nd. Got to interview him. A great interview. Really funny and intelligent uh, fella. And that's coming up here next. Enjoy. Chattanooga, is that your home base? Yeah, Corey Ryan Forster from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's where I started doing stand-up about uh, 15 years ago. I actually live in a small town called Chickamauga, Georgia, but it's about uh, 12 minutes away from Chattanooga, and we didn't have any uh, you know, comedy clubs here in the old Civil War town, so that's what I had to do. <laughs> yeah, because I know like when you get to Chattanooga, there's a certain spot where you kind of dip out of Tennessee to Georgia for a little bit and then get yep. back into Tennessee, which has always blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, man. When I, but anyway, saw you, yeah, you've been in the game for a while. You were you were a young fellow the first time I caught you. Like I said, we we're talking about side splitters in Knoxville, and you said that's not even a, uh, I guess, a, a venue anymore. No, it's not. I actually did the uh, I did the last set ever at that club. I was the last person ever on stage at side splitters in Knoxville. Man, you closed them down. Closed them down, as I've done several bars. <laughs> So anyway, you, you know you, you're making Tennessee proud. You're one of our local comedians that's that's doing doing the thing. Um, uh, so starting out with that, uh, how did how did you know comedy was it for you? I mean, you, you do a, an awesome job. You got an awesome routine about you. But how did you know? Hey, this is what I want to do with my life. Well, I was about uh, I want to say like you know four or five years old when it kind of clicked. I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be stand up, but I knew that I wanted to do something uh, in the comedy world because I would always watch like. Uh, Carson and Leno and whatever with my dad and Saturday Night Live and just kind of like watching him laugh and uh, and and learning how to get a laugh from him. It was the it was a time where I could be the center of attention and uh, I could always use humor as a way to get myself out of trouble. I don't know if it was like a written rule at my house, but like if I ever did something stupid, as long as it was funny, I wouldn't get in as much trouble. As long as I could find find a yeah. way to make somebody laugh, and it was it was usually the same <laughs> way at school too. I felt like a lot of my teachers would give me a little slack. Like I would do something that somebody else would do and they would get in trouble for it. And I would too, but not as much because the teacher was like, well, you know, damn, that was funny. So (laughs) early on in school, I was always writing, you know, comic stories and I was doing impressions of Jim Carrey and Chris Farley. And I didn't know exactly, you know, I mean, when you're in second grade, you don't know the career path. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, 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 exactly. Whatever. Uh, And then I got older when I was 16, I could drive. I was like, well, I'm going to go up uh, and, and try this open mic thing and, and see how that works with, with stand-up. And uh, I just got the bug, and I just never, you know, the, all the advice I got from the older comics was, well, you're in it now. You can't quit. That's the only way to make it is just not quit. So I still haven't. And, uh, you know, so we're just seeing yeah. how it goes. Yeah, man, uh, doing great. And like I said, I mean, it takes I mean, it takes a lot of balls to be 16, dude. I remember giving it a shot, like, in my early 20s, and, man, I was just – wrecked i was like man if i get up here and flatline this will be the end of my entire life but i mean kudos to you you don't hear too many people saying it's that age you know other than like eddie murphy or somebody up there doing it that so that's freaking awesome well you know everybody said i've heard people say they're like man it takes a lot of balls to get up there at 16 but like i kind of disagree but maybe i'm just weird but like at 16 i literally thought i could do anything that's true uh, I mean, if i had true. to get up <laughs> if i started now at 32 there's no way i'm way too self-conscious and you know, way too aware that I could fail. But at 16, dude, I sincerely thought 
I'm going to go up here. I'm going to have two or three sets, and then Saturday Night Live is going to call me, and I'm going to be the next big thing. You know, that, yeah. no big deal. So, like, I think that's the perfect time to do it because you just don't really know how pathetic you are at 16. You think yeah. you're a man. You know, with saying that, you know, it did. That is a lot of wisdom there because you know, you're right. You don't think about things as much then, like, when I was a little bit later because, you know, like I said, I was thinking, oh, man. You know I, this, this, and this, but yeah, you think you're invincible when you're a young person. So that, oh I yeah, totally Lord, yeah, dude. yeah. Um, and like I said, uh, one thing that uh, I found you again was like I was looking through the Zanies thing, and I saw your name on this bill uh, with your pals, your comedy trio, and then listened to your podcast, which is freaking hilarious, uh, well read. And then you got an album. Uh, how did you? How did you three start tearing it up together? What? How did all that come to be? Well, you know, uh, you mentioned side splitters in Knoxville earlier. That's actually where those two guys started. They were uh, they started at Knoxville at side splitters. And as you know, in the South, it's not like New York or California where oh, there's a comedy club on every block and you can go up multiple times a night. There's you know, there's the comedy club here, and then you got two hours, uh, you know, north you can go to uh, Knoxville, and two hours south you can go to Atlanta. So that was just kind of the circuit. And so if you wanted to work different clubs, you had to drive. So those dudes would come down and do spots at the Comedy Catch, and I would go up and do spots at Side Splitters, and you know we just started getting familiar with each other, and it was one of those things where I, I was, you know, I, I didn't really know a lot of people my age because most of the comedians at the Comedy Catch were like 40 and 50. Those are the dudes I was hanging out with, and I meet these two dudes who are kind of my age, and they're sort of doing similar stuff. Like our whole thing, you know, now is you know the liberal rednecks or whatever, but at the time we hadn't really giving ourselves that moniker because we were just doing stand-up and that's just kind of how it sounded like we we really loved jeff foxworthy uh but yeah. we didn't want to be known as just the dudes who were talking about redneck shit all the time but we also didn't want to drop our accent and we just started noticing like man we're kind of we're kind of similar and i don't know two other dudes like you because all, all the dudes that i'd met that had my same kind of like um i guess progressive ideas and whatnot they had dropped their accent and they were kind of ashamed of the south and we were kind of trying to be like look man there's nothing saying that you can't be a southerner and also be talking about uh you know gays in the military and and uh you know, yada yada all this other stuff so they were doing it and, and we just were like man we got to hang out we got to write some stuff together and so about that was like eight or nine years ago and we started uh writing sketches together and you know just just basically hanging out on somebody's porch every night after a show, getting hammered drunk, going, man, one day somebody's going somebody's gonna to figure it out. One of us is going to pop, and then we'll just take the other ones along with us, and that just happened to be Trey. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, that's awesome. Like I said, in comedy, you know, for being very novice like I was and all my, and my friends that do it and everything, it's like it seems like when you see somebody, if you can find a niche, if you can find something everybody can gravitate to, then to to me from being a spectator, that seems like that's where you kind of, you kind of fluctuate and you guys have seemed to have a great response. And like I said, the podcast is hilarious um, and everything you guys do together. I just think it's awesome that you finally, you know, you found it. And, um, and then I listened to the podcast and you guys mentioned Zany's is your favorite place to come, which I thought was awesome. And we're glad oh, to yeah, have man. you. You got a big stint in December around Christmas time. What is it like, four or five days? Uh, December nineteenth through the twenty second. Nineteenth through the twenty second, man. Yeah, they've uh, they've been gracious enough to let us have the uh, the week before Christmas for the past couple of years, and it's really nice because we're touring 
you know, all across the country all year, and Trey and Drew are living in California, so it's a week that we can all kind of be around home and all our buddies come out, and it's just it's super nice, man. We always blow it out. We always have special guests show up. Al Gore was there last year. That was a trip. Wow, no kidding. I bet that so, was wild. Yeah, it was wild, man. So it's it's yeah. always just uh, it's always super fun, and you know Zany just uh, just feels it has a home club feel to it, man. They they treat us real nice, and uh, they're just I can't say enough good things about the Dorfmans and Lucy and, and all those people over there. Yeah. Now now you know back to Al Gore. You were talking about your computer making noise earlier. Did you thank him for inventing the internet when you got to, when he came to the show? All day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another thing that made me laugh, me and you were we were joking about. When, I know you, when you sent your, I guess you're talking to your your agent or the manager guy that kind of hooked us up together about marketing on the calendar. I showed you my Titans calendar. Can you believe they won that game? Man, it was the most bizarre thing because that is typically how we would lose a game. Yeah. Like every single thing about that, like there was never, you know, and I'm a typical sports fan where it's like no matter what's happening, I'm always sitting here going, well, we're about to mess this up in some way. And especially in that case with Melvin Gordon, I was like, man, there ain't no way. And then I'll be damned. Here, the Titans got a W, which it might be the last one we get all year. We're pathetic. I swear to God. After the first, the first game, I told my buddy, my buddy's a big gambler, and he was about to bet on the Titans uh, to beat the Browns. I was like, no, nah, don't do it. He's like, no, nah, y'all. He's like, y'all got a good defense, man. I said, dude, the Browns are gonna be stacked. This is their coming out party, and they're gonna play the sorry ass Titans. It ain't gonna happen. And then we came out and showed out, and I was like. Oh man, I got that thing that no one should ever get, which is hope. And uh, and I was yeah. like, oh man, we're gonna do it. And then it's been nothing but your standard old Titans football ever since. So I don't know what we're gonna have to do, but good God. Yeah, it was. I was sitting there watching. I was like, they're on the one yard line. I'm like, dude, this is like you said, true fashion. That right here at the just one last blade of grass, and they're about to bury him right here with a few seconds yep. left. And sure enough, they turned it over. And I was like, and, and, and what was crazy is that. I gave my my Titans Bucks tickets this week to a, to my friend. I was like, man, they might have a shot at that one too. I know their defense will probably sack Tannehill about fifteen times. But. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, what? Um, uh, let's see. And I noticed in your podcast, you guys say it hits or we hit. Is this a catchphrase between you guys? I want to be more familiar with this. Yeah. So I mean, it pretty much has evolved from like. I mean, the way I look at it is like you know something. Oh, that really hit the spot, you know. Oh, that chicken yeah. casserole hit the spot. So it just got kind of shortened to it hits, and then of course something don't hit. Uh, the way that this is the easiest way for me to explain it to people if they want to get it is that uh, cheeseburgers hit and nine eleven uh, did not hit. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's very stupid. We got a lot of inside baseball stuff that uh, people that I pretty much would have had to listen to all. I guess 140 episodes of the podcast to probably pick up on. Yeah, it, it was just it was super funny. Like I said, I I kind of caught all this at once because like I remembered your name back in the day, and then I saw it there, and I was like, oh man, I got to find him and tell him that I've been a fan. I'm definitely going to come catch a show. Then from there, went to the podcast, enjoyed that, was laughing myself, silly. Y'all talking about Kanye West at Bonnaroo, dude? That was just so funny because he is a basket case. But no doubt. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know found out about the you know, the album and, and, and everything, the way it's going. That's just awesome. I couldn't be more proud of, of a local guy kicking butt. Uh, and this album, is it still like, um, how do you go about finding it or whatever? I saw that you had it like pinned on the top of your Twitter where it's like number two. Has it made it to number one yet? Or what's the story with that? Never, it never made it to number one, but we debuted at number two on Billboard. And, uh, hey, I knew, I didn't think I'd ever be on the Billboard charts, so I'll take number two. 
Uh, yeah. You can get it uh, on iTunes, or you can just go to wellreadcomedy.com, which is W-E-L-L-R-E-D, comedy.com, and uh, we've got a store there where you can pick up the album. Um, or, like I said, download it on iTunes, all that good stuff. Yeah, and and I guess you're a best time, a bestseller uh, author too, right? New York uh, best time time list, whatever they call it. Bestseller. Yeah, yeah, man. The uh, the liberal redneck manifesto, Dragon Dixie out of the dark. You can also grab that on our website or on Amazon. Yeah, it did it did good for us. It uh, it bought me a house. <laughs> Dude, you that. can't beat that. No. That, remind, that reminds me of seeing uh, Chris Stapleton not too long ago singing a song he wrote. He was like, yeah, this bought my house. I was like, yeah. man, that's the dream right there, dude. It sure is, dude. It's been a crazy, crazy ride, and there's uh, uh, so much more I'd like to accomplish, obviously. Um, and it's it really just – it's like a, it's one of, after 15 years, my career is finally starting, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's like what it takes – it takes 10 to be overnight success, Overnight right? success, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, it's not to not to blow smoke, or just because I got you on the phone with me. But you're you're pound for pound one of the funniest comedians I've ever uh, seen. Obviously on the YouTube's and everything. Totally looking forward to seeing you in person. But some people just have it, brother, and you've got it, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Exciting guest on the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. We have Cam Shepard, young entrepreneur. He's got his own clothing line. He's uh, shaking and baking. He's on his way to the tippity top of the uh, fashion epsilons. Tell us about these clothes you got going, Cam. Yes, sir. I make shirts, t-shirts, hoodies, everything you possibly think of. I, I do it since... 15 years old. 15 years old. Yes. You've had a passion for this. How old are you now? 19, my man. So from 15 to yeah. 19, you have loved this and you haven't quit. That says a lot about your character. No, uh, um, uh, where can we find these? If we, uh, where if we go online to see these? You have websites, all that good stuff? Yes, sir. You can search me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Buy my clothes off chill9clothing.com. C-H-I-L-L, the number nine, clothing.com. Chill9. How do we get that name, Chill9? What's the meaning behind that? The meaning behind that is very positive. I've always been a positive person, so it stands for create, hope, inspire, lead, love, and nine is wisdom, and I try to do that with all my actions daily. That's awesome. So, you do it. You're a good, you're a good kid, good young man, model you, citizen. Had a very interesting discussion over the book, The Music Agenda, Best Practices for Your Music Career, with one of its co-authors, Chris Bianchi. Now, Chris is very well established in the music industry, and he uses his time, knowledge, and efforts to help musicians from all walks make the most out of their art and music career. We discuss all that and more right here next on the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. Music Agenda, Best Practices for Your Music Career. This is a, this is a book, the advice in it alone costs tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, what what made you decide to share it with people? Because it literally covers everything. Yeah, that's a great question. Again, thanks so much for you know having me and, and you know asking about this stuff. But no, um, so first, just being a musician, you know, first and foremost, and that being my passion was along the way, kind of figuring out things that worked for myself, things that didn't work, and moving into the business side of things, helping artists, you know, of all kinds along the way, what worked for them and what didn't work. Um, I wanted to be able to give back, you know, as much as possible. And obviously one person can kind of only help so many people at one time. So I partnered with my friend who's also um, very well-versed more in the the legal side of things. His name is Mm -hmm. William Metzger. And we decided to kind of start working on an idea, you know, an agenda for musicians, so to speak, to kind of 
reference the main questions that he got asked quite often. I got asked quite often as a record label owner and also an artist manager um, to where we kind of picked the main topics. We didn't want to make it too long, too crazy and confusing, but just kind of get to the point to where you can reference it at any point, you know, of where you are, where you're at as a musician, whether it's a national signs touring act all the way to a local or regional act. Um, so that's kind of what, what got us, you know, highly excited to do that. And obviously us being musicians first and foremost, we understood as well that, you know, a lot of artists don't have a lot of money coming up. They, they're they not made of, you know, a lot of funds. They're still growing and also investing back into themselves as their bands and getting merchandise, getting on the road and things. So, again, we want this to be kind of a, a guide for them um, to keep the affordability down. So, Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, as a lover of mu- uh, music and being a musician myself, fellow drummer here, so shout out for that. Says you like playing drums. That's awesome. Uh, is that what you played in your group? Um, Forever and Terror, right? Yeah, that was that was the name of my heavy metal band that kind of got me started officially in the industry and everything. But I was the vocalist randomly of that project. But yeah, right I mean, my true yeah, my true passion and in, in instrument though is uh is drums. That's cool. Hey, a lot of, a lot of good drummers sneak out from behind the kit and do their do their vocals every so often. Um, but totally. uh, you know, yeah, one thing you had brought up and I thought, you know, um this book being like i said being a novice musician and if it played toward a little bit nothing you know nothing you know out of out of the ordinary but it covers things like i would have never even imagined the thinking you know from like like how to you know like you get your vehicle fixed if it breaks down or to like sponsors to everything so it's like this is not just meant for like a, a novice musician this is like you can go from that to um you know, being a professional, and then you also that introduction to, uh, you know, where the music business is now. It's just this is going to be a great help for people. So I mean, uh, you know, thank you for for doing this, and I, and I think it's really going to impact a lot of people in a really positive way. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we have a plan in place. You know, myself and my partner Bill again, or William, but to give back to artists and to try to go and kind of reach the masses. You know, this can be applied to artists and kind of globally. You know, in some way, shape, or form, also. Um, you know, we do work with artists kind of all over the world, and it's common things that, you know, whether they're here in the U.K. or, you know, Sweden, France, anywhere, it's still the same kind of questions and still the same application in the same, you know, general way there. So I'm happy that we can try to do this. And another thing that we had kind of put together, again, to try to give back to any artist that invests this little bit amount into themselves we built a custom playlist that's going to be curated by us weekly. So any of the artists that actually visit the website and purchase the book, you know, not only can you get that knowledge, but we're also going to include one of your band's songs on our custom curated playlist. And then oh, wow. we share that with, you know, hundreds of people through our newsletters. Um, we're also doing little things too, like I'm doing a weekly artist feature. So I'm going through all the artists that pick up the book and I'm kind of listening through each of their songs and kind of picking one each week to showcase a little bit on my profiles and talk know about them and doing some other kind of things to give back along the way too that is cool that was another thing i was going to say like are are you going to branch out like with like podcasts or are you going to do like you know uh, like a video um kind of like uh, coaching sessions or things like that and that's awesome but not only are you going to do that but you're going to help these bands out man that's that's great and then like you said mentioning you know all different countries and everything that's what one of the few things that brings us all together the human race is that to some form we all have a love of music and it's just yeah. it's just amazing to you know to think about that on that aspect but just to be able to help people i just thought it was cool because you know 
being in my 30s now playing 10, 15 years ago, nothing like this existed. And this is the kind of information that people will keep to themselves because they're like, man, I don't want he or she to get an edge up on me. Um, and you guys just compiled all of it. Uh, if, if I could ask, how long did it take you? Because, I mean, this is a very thorough this is a very uh, thorough book here. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And, I mean, it's been a labor of love. You know, I think we, we first met in person. He's from Texas, and I'm from near Cleveland, Ohio. So, mm-hmm. you know, we even sat down in person and had a really long meeting about this um, probably back in April, I think it was. And, you know, it's been a process along the way to just premiering it now here in October. So we spent close to six months, you know, crafting this, going back and forth, and then obviously to help fine tooth things, we brought in, you know, outside uh you know, editors to just kind of make things more clear, you know, grammar check, all that good stuff. And then we also had a third party help write a bonus, um, which is Kate uh, Metzger as well. And and that's kind of an extra way for bands to learn and grab some extra funding and things like that from the book. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff. Hey, uh, listen, Chris, bless you for your efforts, man. This, this right here is really going to help some people. You did a great thing. My hat's off to you. Um, you know, like I said before we started recording, I was discussing <clears throat> my friend who, who's a term musician. He has all these questions, and mm-hmm. and you know, just like me, I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, who would you ask, or who would have the time to answer these if you're not benefiting them by paying them, or if you're not on their label? And boom, just like out of nowhere, it's like I threw that thought out into the universe. And then I get an email about your no, book. I'm a, I'm a firm like, believer in that. You know, I'm a yeah. firm believer in that. So that's really, really cool. And I think what makes us unique is, you know, I mean, a lot of people have short attention spans. I understand that, too. They don't want to take a lot of time. But, you know, you can Google this stuff or YouTube this stuff. But there's just so many people out there. And it's like, who do you really trust? And then it's like when you research people, do they have any kind of proven history? Is there any credibility if they worked with anybody? You know, and that's something I'm confident about in myself is, you know, there are valid names I've worked with. I've been, you know, there. My band is proven. Again, not to ego boost myself, but, you know, I'm a proven person that's done this stuff even, so I'm not out here yeah. selling something I haven't done or trying to, you know, give that advice. And I think, like, a, a lot of artists don't have that budget, again, to attend maybe a college, you know, of music or something just to extend that length. So we try to kind of compile the main components, you know, that you can kind of pick up, learn at your own pace. Um, and something cool that we're also working on, is an audiobook version of this. So anybody who will be on the go or who wants to listen and learn on the go will have a special version of that and eventually a paperback as well. Yeah, uh, and like I said, uh, you know, just talking to you and everything, you, you don't sound like a boastful human. Uh, you just sound like somebody like, you know, it's you have the knowledge and the experience that somebody could lean on, and that's what makes it so awesome because you sound genuine. You know, it's not like, hey, blah, this, and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, like you said, you do have a resume, and that's what's going to resonate with people, not so much looking at it thinking, oh, man, he's, you know, he's uh, been associated with Zach Wilder or, or even Andy Biersack of Black Bell Brides or something like that, but just the fact mm-hmm. that, oh, man, this guy knows what's going on, and I see some of these concerts you're affiliated with, I mean, this is this is cool stuff, and I just think it's great, man. Uh, you know, uh, kudos to you, and, and kudos to um, William. I, you know, I didn't get to tell him, but if you ever see him, you know, thank him for his service. He was in the Marines. I mean, this is a hardcore guy, too, yeah. in his own respect. But, um, yeah, man, just – oh, and like you said, it's uh, for the ADD mind, which is I'm, I'm guilty of having, but the book, is, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's got – it's not overwhelmingly thick, but – if you sit and read it, you're if you're a true musician and you and you love it and want to grow your craft, 
even like me, someone that just has friends that do it, and I just podcast about it, I, I couldn't put it down. You know, I'm just flipping through it, bam, bam, look at this, look at, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And I'm just thinking, uh, you know, this is going to spread like wildfire, and, and it's it's going to help for the better. So, hey, you know, thanks for taking the time to do it, man. And uh, before I let you go, the, uh, these social medias and everything, how, how do guys gravitate towards you to learn more about it? Yeah, to learn more about the book, and it's got one, you know, just kind of single landing site, and that's to avoid any confusion. So it's just themusicagenda.com. Uh, anybody can visit right there, learn a little bit more about the book and kind of what it has to offer, and then you can also get the copy digitally right directly from there. It will, again, in time, be coming out on audiobook. It'll be available through Kindle and things like that, but we're kind of pulling this out in, in segments here just so we can, you know, get the most out of each thing and, and kind of communicate with everybody along the way. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to connect with further artists. So if anybody wants to connect personally with me, Instagram is the best place. It's just uh, Instagram at Chris Bianchi, the number one. You can find me there, and I'm always happy to chat or try to answer some questions or, you know, do things like that as well, offer some consultation, et cetera, uh, for the right artist. Yeah, very cool. And like you said, being, being there in Cleveland, this this book will be in the Hall of Fame there sitting behind glass here for too long. That would be awesome, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, being here in Nashville, my podcast, I, I, I you know, publish it out of – People are moving here in droves, and you know that by the fistful, they all have these questions. So, you know, I really uh, look forward to, you know, tweeting about it and putting it in my social media, and everybody can gravitate towards it because, you know, they're they're all in here, you know, with the same objective, trying to get their voices heard and, and their band, you know, in the right direction. So, you know, I'm just really excited for everybody, and uh, thanks for your time, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, that is very cool that you're in Nashville. I hear tons of great things. I haven't been there in quite a long time since I was touring, you know, full time. Um, yep. But I'll try to get down there sometime soon. We'll connect in person, grab grab a coffee or grab something, and uh, that'd be really great. Absolutely. We've got to find you a venue to come talk. You know, I'm thinking um, it, it, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, maybe have a Q&A. That would be incredible. Yeah, I'd love doing something like that or myself and my partner. That's kind of another thing, too, we'll be working into – uh, more to come. We'll talk about that, I guess, at a later time. But yeah, more to keep helping, you know, the masses, I guess, instead of being able to help such a limited amount is our goal. So again, thank you so much for everything. Next up on the podcast, all the way from Canada, it's Eddie G, host of YouTube channels Eddie G's Music World. He and I discuss our love of music, what he does on his program a bunch of other cool things coming up next all right got my uh brand new twitter friend and media mogul in his own right calling all the way from canada mr eddie g how are you doing i'm doing great i've been i listened to a little bit of your show and i was quite impressed with one of the episodes cool thank you so much And, and, and tell us about you and what you've got going on obviously uh we became friends through my old pal uh, Jeff Pines, a.k.a. Speech Impediment Man. So what exactly uh, do you have going on, and uh, what do you do with your program? Well, what I do is every week I try to come up with a musical idea, and uh-huh. I um, either do an, I, like a retrospect on a band, or I have a theme like uh, One Hit Wonder sometimes, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees sometimes, uh, you know, other acts stories about music that I find interesting, mostly rock, pop, vein type thing, yeah. and uh, best guitarists, the best songs of all time, those kind of things, and I uh, go ahead and I I do my best to talk about it, 
and I have a lot of fun with it, and I'm glad that some of the people listen to it, and I enjoy doing it for sure. That's awesome, cool. Like as a fellow appreciator and lover of music, we're glad to have you out there. You got some interesting uh, stuff going on on your Twitter as well. Um, so, what part of Canada are you calling me from? I'm from Montreal, Quebec. Uh, oh wow! A town, uh, Quebec is like eighty uh, percent French and twenty percent not French. So I'm part <laughs> of the twenty percent that's not French. I hear you. So. I'm having a good time out here. I go to a lot of concerts too. I do. I've done a lot of reviews of all my concerts I've been to. Like um, I basically, I've, I went to a show with ticket stubs, and I just looked at the ticket stub from a show I saw, and it triggered like uh, a few minutes of discussion. And I, uh, I discussed the concert and meetings with rock stars. I've done that a few times. I've had a few encounters with people in the music business and talked to them. Very, very awesome. Uh, so, so far here lately, what, what are some of the best concerts you've seen? I uh, was a way big fan of Genesis, um, the era after P- Peter Gabriel left. Yeah. I was pretty young, and I could I almost got tickets to that, but I, was, I couldn't. But a lot of Genesis songs back in the 80s with Phil Collins, lead singer, uh, you know, uh, drumming. Now he's kind of a shadow of himself. He can't drum anymore. Yeah. Because his arms have been like kind of uh, worn out with operations, he's fallen down out of a chair. So mm-hmm. he he's kind of uh, getting old, and uh, maybe he can't handle the drumming. But I did see him solo a couple of times. But Genesis is definitely a very brilliant group. Uh, Pink Floyd too. I saw them twice. Uh, once, That's sorry. Cool. That's still cool. And Roger Waters twice. Very impressive. Yeah, no Huge doubt. Huge fans, you know. Yeah, it's cool. I've been going on kind of a Genesis kick here lately as well, just listening to a bunch of their old school stuff. And a lot of great guys have come out of the band. And then, you know, you're talking about Phil Collins. I noticed that when he's solo, his son actually plays drums for him, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, his son is is on the current tour. I think he's the drummer currently now because Phil yeah. can't handle it. But, uh, no, I didn't – I actually made a mistake by not going – I kind of felt like maybe he's on his last leg, so – a friend of mine uh, went, and he told me that maybe I should have gone, even though he's like uh, he's been going through some struggles in his life. Uh, I should have given him another shot, you know. Yeah. But as you know, these these shows get quite a pricey, and you know, uh, you got money uh, deal dealing with money. You got to always try to keep some for things you need. And the yeah. concerts are one fifty, two fifty. Uh, I saw Iron Maiden a few months ago it was two hundred eighty dollars. So. Wow. Gets pricey to see these old guys. Oh no doubt. But the thing is, they know it because it's like they feel like, well, you, you never know if there's going to be a next year. Because I, I paid, I shelled that out a couple of times for a very a famous Canadian band, uh, Rush. Of course, you know they're they're. Oh yeah, I've seen them five times. Five nice. times, Rush. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah they, they, they they hung it up because Neil Peart, the drummer. Yeah. He's just uh, been through personal problems. I think family members have passed away. Yeah. And so he's kind of despondent and he just wants to pull out of the deal and uh, they don't want to you know take the dynasty away and replace him currently. Yeah. Which the other two guys could do and he'd have to just basically get a cut for writing the songs that are played. Mm-hmm. But uh I even saw Rush with maybe the drummer before Neil Peart, believe it or not. Oh yeah, the one that he he became like a bodybuilder. I think he had he had real bad diabetes. Yeah, uh, fly. He was on Fly by Night, I think. Yeah, John Rootsy. 
<laughs> I saw them in 1974. It was my first concert. How cool. What a cool one to see. Was that when they were wearing like those Asian Komodo outfits? You know what? It was so long ago. I think it was when they were not well known. They were on a triple <laughs> bill with Rory Gallagher and Nazareth. Oh, wow. How cool is so that? So Nazareth was uh, pretty impressive. They were big back in those days. And, of course, you know, Nazareth, the lead singer, he's pulled out of the group, and he's got some young guy in his 30s taking over the vocals. But I did meet Nazareth, talk to them, talk to the singer, original singer, asked him questions about music that he, you know, his experiences. And uh, It's like cool. I conduct my interviews with rock stars, but on, never on my show because they're, they're reluctant. But when I've met them, I, I'm acting like they're my uh, interviewee, but they're like, you know, 40-second tiny bits of uh, discussions that I get them to talk. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I haven't been able to get them, you know, but I, I've I've had great talks with big rock stars, believe it. That's awesome. Who, who you know, they say never to meet your heroes. Who have you met that you thought was just fantastic to deal with, who really was, you know, a great, genuine person? I could say the lead singer of Deep Purple, Ian Gillen. The wow. man uh, did a solo show without Deep Purple, and um, after the concert, he was swarmed by fans outside of the building where he played, and literally he didn't leave. They were falling, they were like hanging on him like, like um, you know, I asked him questions about canceling Deep Purple concerts. He answered very candidly. He told me about Lebanon at the time, that he couldn't go there because there was war-torn in 2006. And the fact that he stayed and he talked to people like he was one of them, he signed for everybody, he wouldn't, he wouldn't abandon his fans. And I just, I left at some point and they were still chasing him down the street, like hovering over him, with, wanting to get autographed. And he stayed and he stayed and it's like, wow, you know, these guys don't have to do that. You paid yeah. to see them, but they don't have to give you a 20, 30 minutes sitting around signing. But this what he did. I was pretty impressed with that. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I like to hear stories when they're like relatively decent people versus, you know, just in and out or don't want to, you know, be very engaging. Well, Ace really was the one that wasn't engaging. But then again, after his solo show that I saw, I went backstage to the theater where he played and there were 50 people with pens, papers, cell phones. And I guess the guy felt, what the, I'm not going to spend 45 minutes with these people. So he just went to his van and he was he swift he was gone. Yeah. But you know I felt at the time I was mad, but then I said to myself the man at the time was in his uh, late fifties, and uh, you know did it an hour and a half or whatever, and he's probably tired, and he figured he wants to go back to the hotel and sleep it off. Yeah. But you know he's I got the other three Kiss members signatures. I met the, the Ace uh, wouldn't sign, but Peter Chris signed. Gene and Paul signed. Oh, wow. So I got to meet them. Yeah. And they were very kind. They were very nice, except for Gene. He was like, well, you know Gene Simmons, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's very, like, grouchy, and, you know, you're some dude uh, bugging him, and he's like, you know. Uh, you know, but then that was an in-store where it was a scheduled meet and greet, and I worked at the record store. So I knew I'd had a, a pretty good shot at them. So I got yeah. those three at the but I didn't get Peter Chris till uh, I think three years before I got him on a solo tour. Oh wow! That's yeah, cool. I'm a big fan of celebrity, you know. And 
that wraps up another intellectually stimulating edition of the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. I want to give a special thank you to all my guests, comedy music act Lou Berger, stand-up comedian Corey Ryan Forrester, author and music mogul Chris Bianchi, YouTube sensation Eddie G. I want to thank you very much for listening to my little podcast. If you know anybody you think might be a good guest, have them hit me up in my email, joshbelcher at hotmail.com. And you remember, I love you for you and where you're at and your point in life. Stay safe, have a great week, and we'll catch you next time here on the Josh Belcher Experience. Thanks. All right, bye-bye.